Hello everyone, good morning. My name is Fatabe Elmin. I'm from Cameroon. I'm the founder and the board chair of the Fotabe University of Cameroon. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo. And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. I'm passionate about women, so I also founded an association to promote decent work among women and girls. Besides that, I'm an entrepreneur who is um, very much interested in uh, virtual business. So I own actually uh, an online learning platform called makeit.cm, and I'm into logistics and transport as well. That's a little bit about me. That's very interesting. That is not a little. That is a, there is a lot that is going on there. <laughs> that is a lot. Uh, that is very mm-hmm. interesting. You know, mm. uh, I'm really very proud of you. Even before we start to talk now, I, I, I like what you're doing. Thank that you. Good. That is good. Thank you very much. All right. Here we, we like to talk about uh, our background, where we are coming, mm-hmm. where we are coming from. Uh, would you yes. like to share a little bit of your background story? Where were you born? Were you born in Douala? I know that you are in Douala just now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell oh, us no, something. No, I, I wasn't born here. I was actually born in a, a very beautiful city called Kumba. It's in the English-speaking part of Cameroon, actually in the southwest region of Cameroon. Uh, I went to school in Kumba, but um, my parents moved around quite a lot for business. So as kids, we too moved around quite a bit. But I completed primary school in Kumba, um, and I did my secondary and high school completely in Kumba uh, before I traveled abroad to study in, in Italy, in the UK. And uh, many years ago, I thought I should return to Cameroon to bring back something to this country that has given me so much. And this is how I found myself back in Cameroon. And five years ago, because of the war, um, that I'm sure you know of. In the English-speaking part of Cameroon, I moved to Douala, um, and now I am in Douala. Mm. There is a lot of story there that really are <laughs> interesting. For the fact that, okay, you'll be um, in Kumba from there, and yes. your parents have been moving around, so now we even understand uh, that there is the business is in the family now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes. Because my my mom was actually a civil servant, um, mm-hmm. working with women a lot, mm-hmm. and also a politician. And my my dad was a one hundred percent businessman. So I, I took that from my dad too. <laughs> That's interesting. That's lovely. Yes. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Then you also seem to have moved around a lot uh, internationally. You say you've been to Italy. Yes. So which part of that Italy is where did I, you? I really spend a lot of my um, adult life in Italy. I, I, I lived in Pavia. I lived in Pavia for about eight years. Uh, then I moved to Milan. Then I moved to Isernia. And then finally to Rome, where I had my uh, master's degree in human resources management and also the MBA in, in uh, international business. Wow, buongiorno sorella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> buongiorno, che bello sentire l'italiano. <laughs> That's good, no, because I'm in Italy. That's why. First of all, tell me, how is Douala today? How is business in Douala usually? 
people, some people don't know what is Douala. Uh, oh. <laughs> tell us something about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Douala is the economic capital of Cameroon. It's a busy city. I'm sure if you, you, you think of Lagos, it will give you an idea of what Douala is like. A very busy city. It's a port city, of course. So you have a lot of business happening in Douala. Um, it is uh, the heart of the rainy season in Cameroon right now. So Douala is quite wet today. It's raining. But Douala is a busy city. Business is good. Of course, it's the economic capital. So business in Douala is good. Douala today is very good. That's interesting. That also explains mm -hmm. to us now why you decide to move to that place. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Because of course, you are business. <laughs> of course. Um, well, the population is here. The market is big. Uh, yeah. It is safer for me mm -hmm. to do business mm -hmm. here. So, yes. All right. These are the reasons why I moved here. All right. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, can you tell us how you got started in business uh, and uh, which is your area that you're actually concentrated on so we can dive more on that? Oh, well, how I got started, it, it's an ensemble of many things. Um, like I said earlier, my, my dad was a businessman. Um, he was, of course, into cocoa and coffee. I'm not in that um, agriculture. But I think from a very young age, I started picking up cues, business cues from my, from my dad, especially. And I remember I was in... Um, junior secondary school when I decided that I wanted to do business. I wanted to sell um, vegetables at the market. At that time, my dad wasn't very enthusiastic about that, but he let me do it and, and I enjoyed it. I picked up uh, this passion for business. It's, it's a beautiful thing to exchange one thing for money. <laughs> so I decided I was going to pursue that. But not until I graduated from high school, and I wanted to read journalism because that was a passion I had as well. Um, but my university in my city, Boya, could not admit me to study journalism. Rather, I was admitted to study languages, uh, which my dad did not want. And I also decided I was going to try something else. And so I traveled to Switzerland first. That's the part I did not tell you. <laughs> I traveled to Switzerland first. And there I started reading a lot about business administration. And so when I went to Italy and I wanted to study something, business was what really came to my mind. Uh, that was in 2005 and um, human resource management at that time was new. So I thought I was going to study human resources management. But to get there, I needed to understand everything about business. This is how I, I got to the UK for a while, uh, studied business administration, returned and I studied a master's in human resources management. So my journey as an entrepreneur actually started from childhood. Uh, I saw that from my dad. Then I went to school. I studied business. And it's, it's something which is interesting. And when you look around our societies in Africa, you see that business has a lot to still explore. And when I completed my studies in Europe, I thought, why not go back home? There are a lot of things you can do. There are a lot of opportunities because there are a lot of problems. And if there are a lot of problems, and then, then we need to be looking for ways of solving those problems, but at the same time, making money. And so this is, this is how it started for me. Uh, I started solving problems in education. I thought that um, many Cameroonians go to school. Many Cameroonians. When I was growing up, people always said that uh, 
the, the literacy rate in Cameroon is very high. But I kept asking myself why people will not still find jobs, even with the high literacy rate. So I, I thought that was a problem I needed to solve. And so I returned to Cameroon and my first business was not a university. It was actually a, a consulting firm, a human resources consulting firm, because I wanted to match uh, graduates to jobs. So this is how I started. And I did that for a couple of years. Um, it, it wasn't very lucrative as, as much as I would have expected. And so I decided that I would need to contribute to training those young people. Maybe if you give them the right training, then finding jobs will not be as, as, as tough. This is how I ventured into uh, first vocational education and today in higher education. So um, if you want to identify me as an entrepreneur, many people say I'm a social entrepreneur because I, I do a lot of stuff in that dimension. But I also think that I'm just an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur who, who is very passionate about education and training. I'm an entrepreneur who is uh, very conscious that if we want to uh, keep creating wealth, then people need to be trained to create wealth. And so I create wealth for me by training people and I help other people to create wealth for themselves. And so it's a win-win for everyone. You mentioned a point that I think it makes a lot of sense, no? In that, uh, because there is a lot of uh, problems uh, in Africa, okay, yeah. it's not only problem that are also other, other things, oh, but because sure, the system sure. in most cases is not functioning, there are a lot of problems, yes. that is true. Yes. And that mm -hmm. means there is a lot of opportunities also, because sure. yes. who are the entrepreneurs? There are people who mm -hmm. prefer solution to problem. Yeah, If exactly. there are no problem, it means there is no need for entrepreneur, mm -hmm. which really mm -hmm. means that a lot of Africans should tap into this mentality. Seriously? I, I, yeah, yeah, please. Yes. You want to say something there? Go. <laughs> yes, yes. I like the last line. Africans need to tap into this. Entrepreneurship, of course, I'm not going to pretend to say it's a bed of roses, but because there, we, there are lots of issues in Africa, anyone who is venturing into entrepreneurship right now that is tackling real problems will have a lot of opportunities. I, like, I really like the last line you, you mentioned. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to. I want also to a bit of uh, of the business uh, mindset and mentality. Okay, then we'll go to a, a bit of of your training and what yeah. exactly you do. Now, yes. uh, for beginners who are trying to understand how to get started online, what do you think they should do? Let's take it from there. Okay, um, like I said, business is interesting. There are problems to solve. Uh, being online. This, this is a huge opportunity because it helps us to identify the many problems that exist. I'll tell you what, a lot of people try to do business online. For someone like me, I'm, I, I go online, I observe, especially when I'm using social media. I observe and I see a lot of things that are going right, which I can copy, and a lot of things that are not going so right that I can try to fix. So for, for starters... My advice to them, go online, whether you're using Google, you're using uh, any other social media platform, look for what is going right. Are there schools that are doing very excellently well? Today, the world is interconnected. I can sit in my home in Douala and I begin to see what is happening in a classroom 
um, in the U.S., maybe Yale, maybe Harvard. And I learn. I learn from there. But I can also sit here and I look at what is happening in, in neighboring Nigeria, and I see something that is not done right, and I think, hey, I can fix this. So to start off, the objective of using online platforms is to, first of all, identify problems, and you look at those who are providing solutions, and you look at what they are not doing yet. So that gap you can fill. Everything is online. Everything is online. You can learn just about anything. And there is my mantra. Every time I talk to people, I tell them my mantra is learn if you aspire to earn. So learn first. Go online. You can find anything. I'm here. I'm talking to you on this very beautiful platform. You can learn from this. But there are other platforms, amazing, very educative platforms. Go online. Learn first. Learn about the markets you want to exploit. Learn about the problems. Learn about what solutions are already being provided. Learn about what is not provided yet. Just by reading comments on that business post, you can find a lot that can still be done. People are very expressive these days on social media, and they say what they would like to see, what they would like to have as solutions, what they would like to have as products or services. Go online. Take your time. Learn. Like I always say, if you learn you will earn. We cannot start earning when we have not learned. It, it cannot work. So we have to start by learning. So if you, you, you're thinking of entrepreneurship, I'm going to tell you today that it's, that's the best thing you can do for yourself, for your community, for this continent. But it's also hard work. And to succeed, you have to learn and keep learning. There are problems that emerge every day. There are new solutions that emerge every day. So this is one. Learn first. There are many avenues to learn. Just take your time, prepare yourself, learn. You would find opportunities. The second thing is to be very tech savvy. Um, these days, business is easier when you're tech savvy. This is a platform we are using to have this discussion. This is technology. If we, we cannot make use of technology, we are going to always lag behind because the, the Internet is here to stay. We have to keep learning about a new technology, how we can use technology to make business easier for us and make our, our solutions accessible to the people we are targeting. So there are lots of tech solutions today that we can make use of. Try to find out what can work for you because these tech solutions are cost effective. So learn about you, learn about the problems that are existing, learn about what kind of solutions are being provided and which are not being provided yet. Learn about technology that you can use and actually make use of it and start small. Don't wait. Start small. Online today, you can start anywhere at any time with very little resources. I think all you need is just a prepared mind and internet connectivity, and you can start a business. Start small, make very good use of the internet and your time, and you're going to find that business will grow. I never minimize first steps. You always start from somewhere. I'll tell you a story. When I started my... Um, university 
And just, just to mention that this is not the first, uh, there was a Polytechnic, which I co-founded in 2011. So Fatabe University of Cameroon is the second higher institute I created in Cameroon. But when I started Fatabe University of Cameroon in 2015, I should tell you, I was almost broke. I was just working out of a partnership, which was very difficult, and I decided to abandon everything and start afresh. And I didn't have anything. I didn't have a campus. I didn't have capital. The only thing I, I had was what I had learned. And this is why this became my mantra. I had learned everything about higher education. I had learned how to make use of technology. So my first classes were online. On this same platform, Skype, my first classes were online. But here is the thing. I, I learned also how to forge good friendships and build networks. So through my network, someone who was supposed to be a competitor at that time actually became a kind of partner who said, listen, we are going to share this campus. We are doing almost the same stuff. But knowing who you are, knowing what you've done for me, knowing what you, you, you want to do for young people in this country, I'm going to give you part of my campus. This is how I started. So I did, you, you must not think that you must start big from the beginning. Start small, but be persistent, be consistent, and you're going to get to that place. One of the things I just want to highlight here is build strong networks very strong networks because business cannot thrive without very strong networks thank you so much for that that is so inspiring it's inspiring you, you see um in the beginning i was i was saying that we're first of all going to talk to talk about business and then we're going to talk mm. about mentality but as we yeah. can see there are two they are so interwoven that we cannot actually uh, talk about one and then go to the other so we're going to be missing it together as we go Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like the the learning part, the mm -hmm. mentality, because you see, in Africa now, a lot of people have access to internet, just like in any other part of the world. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we are tapping enough into that power that we have in our hands, and this can, of course, easily be translated to many other things. Like, why we still remain in darkness in Africa when we are black because the heat is so because it's so hot in Africa <laughs> and we don't have energy to light up, you know. Anyway, what I want to talk about mm. is I want you to speak to the role of mentality in doing businesses today in 2022. Help me understand that. <sighs> mentality is everything, it is, it is just everything. There is no way you can do business today if, if you do not um, accept to shift your mindset. It is practically impossible. And this is where I think that Africans have uh, some work to do. Most times, people do not accept to shift their mindset. You know, eh, um, I, I say this with, with quite some, some pain in my heart. Because I, I travel a lot, I have traveled around, I have seen the way people do things, I know the way people think around the world. And I think that as Africans, we have the intelligence, we have the, the, the drive, we have even the physical strength to be able to do amazing things. But in my opinion, we have a lot of misplaced priority. 
People think that it is just okay to copy some stuff from the West and not copy some. What I think is that we, we need to stop feeling like someone should do things for us. We must change our mindset completely and know that the problems we are facing as Africans were created by Africans. And Africans should solve those problems. We cannot wait for the West to solve our problems. Even giving us drinking water, it's, it's ridiculous. Even giving us education, it, it just doesn't sit well. We have what it takes. But until our young people will realize that no one owes us anything, we'll keep standing on the same spot. When I teach in class, I tell my students every day, the entitlement mentality is what is keeping us standing still. When we realize that the West does not owe us, then we will start building our own solutions. That is the first thing. The second thing about mentality is we need to learn to trust what is from us. I'm on this platform. I'm super proud of what you're doing. It's amazing. This is what we need to see. Africans doing great stuff and we believing in what Africans are doing and telling the stories. It's, it's not always greener out there. As Africans, we have a lot of solutions that we are providing, but nobody gets to talk about them. Because as Africans, we're not proud of the things that we are doing. This is where our mindsets need to really shift. Let us start believing in ourselves as Africans. And third, we need to consume what we produce and learn that we must produce what we consume. It is not always supposed to come from the West. Because as long as I am a business person, basic economics, the more you keep importing, the more you keep enriching somebody else. This is basic economics that we teach in secondary school. So if, if we stop thinking that what comes from outside is best, then we'll start enriching and empowering our local entrepreneurs and our local economies are going to grow stronger. All of this is, is mindset. All of it is mindset. We always think, oh, this person owes me. Oh, this person does better. We have to change that. And remember that as Africans, we have what it takes to become the strongest continent. I, I was doing uh, a discussion once with, with um, students from around the world, and I was telling them the riches that we have in Africa in terms of natural resources. We have everything. Why, why is Africa where Africa is? Because someone thinks that it is someone's responsibility to exploit these resources, transform them, and then sell back to us. This is a mindset problem. We have to know that we have these resources, and it is our responsibility to make the best out of these resources. We can do it. I trust we can do it. I'm seeing lots of Africans across this continent doing beautiful stuff, but there is a long way to go. Our young people need to understand that internet connectivity is power. Our governments are doing quite much to give us access to this, this gold mine. What are we doing with it? When I talk to young people, I hope some of them are listening to me and watching right now. What do you do with this powerful tool that you have in your hands? It's not all about reels and, and, and 
um, comedy skits, and there is a lot that we can learn. In fact, everything we need to learn, we can find on the internet. Let us shift from thinking that someone else should be doing the serious things while we either just consume or we focus on doing the things that are not so serious. If we, if we change this mindset of ours, and then I, I think that a lot is going to change in Africa. A lot is going to change. I believe you so much. Yeah. You are going to receive a lot of blessing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. No, no, I so love what you're doing and also so in tune to what you're saying. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, like I was saying before, African is rich. It's so rich, no? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and we also talk about mindsets, no? Yeah. And uh, now let's talk about another thing where you are working, the skill set. Because people need to <laughs> learn to do things. Yes. And unfortunately, fortunately, there are some people we can learn from. Like you, for example, you have university. You know, I've uh, talked about education a lot in this, in this program, no? In that we need to learn how to learn and also to unlearn what we don't need. Sure. Because what you teach people have effect on them because you are planting something in their head. So somebody need to think, why am I giving this information to my people, to my population, and what is it going to do for them? Mm -hmm. So because we are talking of the skill set to be able to transform our resources into something, because the resources are all job potential. They are not really the thing that we are going to need at the end of the day, because in Nigeria, mm -hmm. we don't really use the crude oil. We need the finished product of the oil that we are going to put in the, in the car, that we are going to use. If we, if we are able to refine it very well, we can have the gas. If we do very well, we are going to be able to have the cream. As a whole lot of things we can get from it. Because if we just extract the crude oil, that is what we can do. We are going to remain poor for until that kid don't come. So, talk to me about the skill set to be able to thrive today. Mm -hmm. I, I love, I, I really love the way this, this um, conversation is going because uh, the truth is that everything is kind of interconnected. Um, when we talk about mindset here, we're not just referring to the citizens, but even governments. Uh, because I think mindset change starts from, it should start from the top. So even if our governments do not change the way they view things, the mentality, uh, I, I don't want to talk about the complex, things are not going to change for their subjects. So the mindset shift starts from the top. But of course, because I'm an educationist, I'm not going to say we have to wait for that top to change first before we change. We can change today. Uh, I have changed my mindset. You have. Lots of other people around Africa uh, have done so too. So it, it's a two-way thing first. Now, to, to talk about skill set, you remember I told you uh, that when I returned from Italy in 2009 for the first time, I set up a human resource consulting firm. It was actually to solve this problem of skills. Because a lot of Cameroonians that I know of, a lot of Africans have certificates. We like education. We go to school. 
But what do we acquire besides certificates? What do we acquire? In Cameroon that I know very well, many parents and children themselves just want to acquire a certificate. It's okay for them to just think that I'm a university graduate, and that's good. Then after that, we can start thinking of what will come next. This is a problem. Um, so we have a huge problem of skill sets. The market dynamics are changing every day. You see, the skills that we, we needed as Africans 20, 30, 40 years ago will not be the same skill set that we need today if we want to compete effectively. So the skill sets have to change. But unfortunately, the change in terms of this aspect is very slow. I told you that um, I also have a vocational training center. So I'm, I'm also an advocate for TVET, for technical vocational education and training, because I believe that Africans, Cameroonians need skills, not just certificates, but they need skills. And so it's, it's not unusual to see a university graduate coming back to us to acquire basic skills. So there is a huge problem. And if someone is asking me how this problem can be solved, I think that um, all stakeholders have a, a role to play. I want to start from parents. I am a parent. So today I can tell you conf confidently that my mindset has really changed in this regard. But when I was growing up, things were not like this for me. I, I saw parents, even my parents, thought that if a child went to a technical or a vocational college, it is synonymous to being not very smart. You know, like they used to say around, only dull students go to study those things. This mindset is, is changing, but it is still slow. You'll be surprised. I, as a parent, I have changed that mindset. So when I talk to people, I tell parents, please, the world needs skills. If Africa has to move, we need people who have the skills that are necessary to exploit the riches that we have in this continent. It is not about certificates. Many years ago, if you wanted to find a job in Cameroon, someone will ask you, what certificate do you have? Today, that is changing. People are starting to ask, what can you do? In effect, what skills do you have? So parents must encourage their children to acquire skills. I, I start from here because I think that there are programs that have been designed out there that can help children to acquire skills. But the biggest problem is that parents don't want that. Because in my environment, if, if your child is a university graduate, it's, it's, it's a whole achievement, irrespective of what that child has studied. Just to give you, uh, to paint a clearer picture, if you come to um, Boya, where my, the, the city that I, I lived in for many years when I returned to Cameroon, uh, it's a university city. And when the, the state university, which is, is, is in Boya, holds graduation ceremonies, the town al almost grinds to a standstill because people flog in from all over the country to witness this graduation ceremony, to celebrate. The whole city is in a celebration mode. No one cares to ask what have these people acquired as skills. It's enough for them to just have certificates, whatever it is. So you would find lots and lots of people who are graduating from the university with 
degrees in political science, nothing against these degrees, just, just to give you an example. Um, with sociology and anthropology, uh, with gender studies, lots of them. And then you, you, you find yourself asking, why did you study this? And no one can give you an answer. Oh, no, I just wanted to go to the university. Now that I've graduated, I can start thinking of something else to do. This is the mentality. And parents propagate this a lot. Let my child just have a degree, irrespective of which degree. That the world is changing. And if Africa needs to, to change, to, to evolve, to grow, we need to start focusing on acquiring skills, not just certificates. So parents have a huge role to play. Now, the students themselves, these are the people I, I have in front of me, I have around me, I am in contact with every day. I tell them, again, we go back to technology. You have technology, you have the internet. On the internet, you can learn a lot about the skills that are required today to be able to get the best jobs, to be able to create the best jobs. But no one cares to go out there and, and conduct any research about what skills are necessary before they dive into, into studying stuff. They just waste their time doing other things. I don't want to name the platforms. And the skill sets are not there. So you have a lot of people who are educated, they have certificates, but they do not have the skills. This way we cannot move forward. Africans, young people themselves need to embrace TVET. They need to embrace it. It is not for the less intelligent. It is not. In the West, people had understood this long ago, that we need skills to build societies. We need skills to build economies. Here, we still think that people who go in for skill-based education are the ones who are not very intelligent. No, no. Rather, it should be for the people who are really very smart. So young people themselves need to embrace going for uh, training courses that, that focus on giving them skills and not just knowledge. Uh, then the, the government. I think that whatever we do, whatever we say, as Africans, governments need to take their responsibility. A lot of things will change if legislation changes. I think that if, if there is legislation that makes acquisition of skills mandatory, no one will have anything to say because it's for the good of this continent. Our legislators have to recognize the place of skills in our economy. It is, it, it is very sad that you look at the biggest projects that are run in this, in this, in this continent, especially in my country, and you always find 80% of expatriates as the top managers. It, it's, it's sad because... Our own people do not see the need for these skills and our governments are not doing anything to push or maybe they are not doing enough, I should say, because I think that the governments are doing things, but they are slow. They, they may not be doing enough to really push the acquisition of these skills. And this goes beyond just beautiful speeches in parliaments and in meetings. It goes to going down to meeting experts and together developing curricula that would help people, Africans, to be able to acquire skills. There's a lot we can do. In my institution, we do that. We have moved from just helping young people to have certificates to actually helping them to see the place that skills have. Because honestly, honestly, we have a huge skills gap in this continent, a huge skills gap. And many of us who go out there, acquire these skills, 
do not want to come back because of the other associated stuff. The economy is not moving. Things are slow. Healthcare is, is not okay. So th there is a lot that our governments should do. And we cannot go ahead on just fixing the issue of skills without thinking of where people would practice the skills. Because if we don't put in place structures where people can practice, at the end of the day, it ends up just being speeches, theory, and no skills are actually acquired. People will still be having knowledge but no skills. So we need the governments to actually drive this agenda of skills. In this way, they can now work with the next stakeholder group, the private sector, large companies, multinational companies, local companies should also be pushed somehow to give opportunities to young people to practice. And I should say on this platform that I really do appreciate the companies that work with us or with Fatabe University to, to achieve this. All our hiring companies that give our students the opportunity, not just to do very uh, short-term uh, internships, but 12 months working experience actually help them to acquire these skills that uh, the, the, their companies need, that our society needs, that this, com this continent needs. There is a huge skills gap, but we can do a lot to, to fix that. Everyone has a role to play. I started from the parents, the, the, the students themselves, the government, the private sector, the media, people like you too, to also help to push this agenda of skill-based education. It, it, there is a lot of glorification for university, mainstream university education. It's, it's this glorification that, you know, somehow conditions the minds of our people to think that if I've not gone to the University of Calabar, for example, the University of Lagos to, to study, who knows what, uh, uh, maybe political science, maybe economics, if I've not gone to the university, then I'm less of, of an African. No, we have to start thinking that you can go to the University of Lagos, for example, where you can study something that gives you the skills to contribute to your economy, to create, to innovate, and especially to create jobs for yourself, for your family members, for people in your community. This is how we have to start thinking, and then things will change. Uh, you see, <laughs> thank you for, for also bringing in the politics at a point, because it, mm. it just cannot be avoided mm. uh, in that... Uh, we need to understand that the society, everybody cannot do what they like. That is why we have a government, in that we are delegating people to take care of us. Otherwise, we can take care of ourselves. For example, in Abuja, which is the seat of the Nigerian uh, federal government, the people are telling the federal government, I am delegating you, I am giving yeah. you my power mm -hmm. to take care of my life and my death. Mm -hmm. This is a huge responsibility. It is not because you are the oldest man in the country. That is why the people mm -hmm. choose you to be their mm -hmm. leader. It is not because you are um, you belong to a certain clan. That is not how it functions. You are responsible for the life and death of the people. It is a responsibility. It is not um, it is not it is not a reward. People really need to know that it is a responsibility. Now, you see, I, don't, I think we are supposed to know some of this common sense that you are talking about here. Mm -hmm. In that the country needs to know where are they going. Because mm -hmm. if you know, then you are going to form the people based on that. Mm -hmm. The people need to know, do we lack food? 
in this country. If we lack food, then our educational system should speak to that. Do we need to produce more food? Do we lack infrastructure? Do we need to produce more engineer? It's not just for the purpose of producing so that we can count that we have 100,000 engineers in Nigeria, for example. That is not the meaning. It means that because in this country, there, are no, there is not enough infrastructure, we train these people. But when they finish, we should let them do the job. They, should, they must do the job. Otherwise, they fail, and they fail themselves, and they also fail the system. Because exactly. it, is not, it is not like people just go and do what they like. You cannot do what you like. If we do what we like, then Abuja do not need to exist. If we have to do what we like, we don't need the government. All right, that is on the part of the government. And yes. this is something that really gets us boiling, you know, because yes. we have you, we pay you salary. Mm -hmm. Why are you there? What is the essence of you being a governor of a state? Now, let me just, just throw out some data there for the purpose of reflection. Mm -hmm. You see, the ex-governor of Calabar did a marvelous job by, by trying to turn Calabar into a tourist attraction in the whole of the country. Wow. But guess what happened? The infrastructure, everything that was done had been abandoned when a new administration came in. Now, this is an abuse of the people. This money was not given by the United Nations. This money was taken from the land. It was supposed to be to develop the people. A new government is coming in. I don't even care whether you are a PDP or MPP or NCC or CCC or VVV. You are supposed to care for the people. You are supposed to make sure you, you start from where the next one stops. You cannot allow it to waste because you are wasting the people's resources. We, that nobody is asking for any rocket science in Africa. We are just asking you as an administrator, you as a government, as a governor or as a president, you should know what the people want. If you don't know, why are you there? You are not supposed to be there. It is not for everybody. It is for only the people who know what the people want, who are ready to serve. Then you just come and serve the people. It is not to save your family to send money overseas and hide it in, in Switzerland or in Washington or in France. That is not government. That is just a group of armed robbers. They just happen <laughs> to have gone to shoot. <laughs> All right. We can yes. All right now. You know uh, what? You know yeah, what? Yeah, I can I can I can summarize uh, the, the things you have raised in, in just two words. Mentality and service. When you see everything that is happening, when you, you think deeply, you find that people really just need to change their mentality. So just understand that I am here for a purpose. And until I serve that purpose, I am a failure. It's, 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 it's whole, a whole idea of mentality. You just talked about something that all over Africa people talk about. You know, we, we take funds from Africa instead of developing Africa, we take to the West. It's, it's, it's a pity. But this is also still just mindset. This is what we're saying. That people, even our governments, government officials still believe that it is better out there. My money is safer out there. It is better I invest there. 
because for my vacations, it is better out there. This is a mentality thing. And so you see all these things they are doing. Oh, need, I, I need to have a vacation home out there. And what, what about Lagos? What about Calabar? What about Aba? Why don't we think that we can have a vacation home in those places? If we start thinking like that, then we'll develop those places. We'll make them safe because we want to go there. It is mentality. The second thing is service. All over Africa, people forget to know that if you're voted into office, you're voted to serve. And if you're voted to serve, then you listen to the people and then you take actions that favor the people. It is this idea of service. When we realize that when you are voted into office, you are a servant, things will begin to change. And, and this conversation about servant leadership is something that in Africa we have to really push. People have to start seeing leadership more from the, the, the service angle than anything else. So servant leadership should be one of the things that we really discuss in, in this continent. And it's, it's only then that we can begin to, to see different results. What do the people, uh, the students that are coming to your schools, uh, what do you hear them say about maybe starting their online businesses so that they can do things for themselves? I want to, I want to go back to what you said before. That entrepreneurship is essentially providing solution to the problem in your area. Yes. If you say there are a lot of problem in your area, that means a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity in your area. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. what are you going to do about it? So, help mm -hmm. me understand what they what they think. Um, it's it's very interesting to to talk with young people. Uh, very interesting. Like, like I, I said earlier, they, they still, many young people still believe that it is the government's responsibility to even create businesses. You'll be amazed at this. But many of them would say this, the government has not an enabling environment. And you hear them say that a lot. Um, one other thing they keep saying is that we do not have enough capital, enough capital to start our own business. Um, a limited number will tell you that they really want to start. They are passionate about entrepreneurship. They want to start. Generally speaking, I think that the young people in my country, the young people who come to Fortabe University of Cameroon, love entrepreneurship. The difference is that they do not have enough information about entrepreneurship. And that is the role that we play. This is the role that we are playing right now. We ensure that um, we give them this information. We ensure that we show them the, the, the opportunities, not just the opportunities, but how to explore those opportunities. So a lot of them will talk about taxes as well. Eh? That's, that's very important. They'll tell you they do not want to get into entrepreneurship because of taxes. Um, where, whereas, whereas here we have a, a kind of declarative system. And, and so just being informed would, would help people to be able to cope with the taxes. But the, the, the truth is, young people need information. Um, young people need role models in entrepreneurship. They really need role models. And this is why, again, I should thank you for doing this, because you're telling our stories. You're telling young people the stories about our entrepreneurs. This is what they need, to know that in this country, someone can start um, their journey as an entrepreneur, grow, create jobs for people and leave a legacy. This, this is really something that is lacking. Um, so we, we do all of these. All our programs have been designed to respond to 
these challenges to respond to these worries that young people have. Oh, I want to start a business, but the government has not created an enabling environment. Oh, I want to get into entrepreneurship, but I don't have enough capital. Oh, I want to get into entrepreneurship, but I don't even know how to go about it. This is where we come in. And um, the partners that I talked about before, we even have financial partners who, you know, really help not just to provide funding, because um, sometimes providing just funding is very tricky but also providing the financial education that young people need uh, to be able to get into entrepreneurship. We work with technology partners also that help to build platforms where, where our students can come together, start ventures, grow, sell them, and then, and then go independently. Uh, we also work with governments and diplomatic missions. I should say that uh, the government provides a lot of um, institutional support. Right for, for all our, our, our projects to help young people see the need for entrepreneurship. Uh, while we talk about the government, we, we, we have to also recognize that even though this, the change is slow, but there is, there is change that is happening. Um, some government officials have embraced the notion of entrepreneurship um, and, and things are beginning to change very slowly. So we also have very important support from diplomatic missions um, in our countries that, that help us to tell young people of the importance of entrepreneurship, but not only to give them the skills that they need and also to even sometimes provide the startup capital that they need. So young people in my country love entrepreneurship. They are passionate about entrepreneurship, um, but sometimes they lack the tools necessary to start them off. But that's why we are here. That's why we are doing the things that we are doing. Um, some of them are making very good use of, of technology. I think we've had Forbes name a number of Cameroonians, young Cameroonians who are doing extremely well in entrepreneurship, making use of technology. Uh, so, so this just tells you that the whole idea of entrepreneurship is, is um, becoming very popular. People are embracing it. Young people are embracing it. But what they say remains let the government create an enabling environment. And I am re-echoing that on their behalf. Let our governments create an enabling environment. Uh, they are also talking about entrepreneurship education. So we are doing this, but we need more stakeholders to also join us to provide real entrepreneurship education. Not just theory, but provide avenues for practice where the young people can actually create their own businesses and run them. I think this is what sets us apart. That's on campus, every student is involved in creating a campus business and running that business. It is part of their studies. And you'll be amazed at the things that young people have been able to do. We've had entrepreneurs who have come out of our classrooms as young as 19, already CEOs of thriving businesses, because we make that mandatory. And they also need role models. And this is where you, the media, comes in. We need to tell the African story. When I read about Tony Elumelu, I am proud of being an African. When I read about Dangote, I am proud of being an African. When I read about Kaji Defoso in Cameroon, I'm proud of being an African. Many of these stories are supposed to be told so that our young people can see role models in, in business and entrepreneurship and be encouraged to start this journey, which I think is what Africa needs right now. Thank you so much. I'm proud of you. 
You see, Thank you. before you just made an introduction, you only said a few things. I told you how much I really love what you're doing now. Thank you. It is, we need it so much. We need it a lot. You know, I think I've come to a point that, uh, of course, I've said it a number of times, that I no longer focus on the government, but I'm now I'm focusing on the people. Because I believe that the people really are able to change the system. I really so believe it. And because I've talked to a lot of brilliant, intelligent uh, Africans in the continent. Okay, I know that there are a lot of brilliant Africans also in the diaspora. But yeah. I am really interested in the ones that are in the continent who are doing fantastic job. They, that continues to reinforce my belief that the people have the power to be able to change the system. So the job yeah. must continue. Exactly. You see, before, uh, we talked about uh, mindset. Then we also talk about um, skill set. Uh, because you made mention of internet and technology, I want us to take that further to talk about the tool set. What do we really need to be able to excel online in the online business? Uh, because I think people need certain tools to be able to do this thing. Are these tools available? What are they? Help us to understand mm -hmm. this. Yes, these, these tools um, are available, but they are not um, within the reach of everyone, uh, which is what um, I think that we are beginning to do quite slowly, but we need we need more. Today, when we talk about uh, the internet, it, it sounds very good. It, it sounds nice. It's, it's an amazing tool. But how do we exploit the internet? So basic, basic stuff. We will not, we will not want to talk about things that are really... Um, very abstract things that are, are, are seemingly very difficult to acquire. The basic tools that young people need today in their hands to exploit the internet, mobile phones. We just need mobile phones with the right technology. It's not supposed to be very sophisticated, but just having phones, mobile phones can do a lot. Now, I may not have the statistics uh, to talk about how many... Africans have access to um, mobile phones with the right technology to exploit the internet. I don't have that that uh, that data, but I, that is an important tool. So if we are looking at helping Africans to to make use of the of the internet to do business, this technology, mobile phones are very important. And in 2016, I I had this thought. When in, in a class of about 50 students, uh, business students, uh, level one, I did not have up to 15 of them who had mobile phones that they could use to study. That was in 2016 in Cameroon. And so I decided that, okay, we're going to provide mobile phones to all our students because we run an online learning platform where we have a virtual library and then we have seminars and, and workshops so we decided to provide mobile phones. And I, I should tell you that we saw a huge improvement in, in results because now the students could, could go online, conduct their research, go on the library, read books, uh, watch videos, and all of that. And so we need this. But this is very basic. This is very basic. We cannot be talking about online businesses today without talking about computers. We cannot be talking about 
how, how do you go about it when you don't have computers? I know that uh, when you talk about the tools, people would rush and tell young people that just with a phone, you can do everything. That's why I started from there, to say that it's very basic. And when someone has that tool in their hands, then they can do that. But we cannot be talking about online businesses today if we're not looking at computers. If young people do not have computers, this is only going to be a dream. And it's not just having the computers, it is knowing how to use the computer. So um, IT education is supposed to be very top on the things that we do today because we have to teach people not just that they need computers to, to explore online opportunities, but also to learn how to do so. And, and uh, this is very important. Listen, we are in, in Africa and um, Nigeria is, is, is a neighbor to us. In Kumba, where I was born, I grew up with Nigerians and I heard a lot of things about power energy in Nigeria. In Africa, even though it is not directly connected to uh, online businesses, to internet, but we can also not do much when we do not have stable energy. We cannot charge these phones. We cannot uh, use our laptops if we do not have stable energy. We need that as well. And, and the beautiful thing is that today with solar energy is, is available. And, and people can, with, with very little capital, people can help communities to be able to do that. I, I told you before that I, I run an online learning platform. And we have a, a particular project that is very close to my heart. It is bringing education to children in rural areas using technology. Now, why this is so close to my heart is because these rural areas that we are targeting do not have energy. So there is no electricity in most of these rural areas. There is definitely no internet connectivity. But the, the project that we started two years ago is to actually use technology to bring education to kids in these in these uh, rural areas. And also a special technology was designed and uh, we, we use solar chargers, we donate um, tablets to these children so that they too can study following uh, our local curriculum, be able to read, write, understand what is happening around their localities. And some of them may be, be, be leaving their villages to go to city centers to pursue education. Because we think that every child needs basic education. And basic education, which is void of technology today, just keeps people behind. That is why this solution was, was developed. So the tools that we need, we, we do not just need the, 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 the software. We do not just need internet. We need the hardware as well. Um, strangely enough, uh, in Africa, we are still uh, very far. We are still thinking that the hardware should all, always come from the West. That's another problem we are talking about, skill set. But these are the tools that we, we need. We have the internet, even though even though there's still a lot of improvement to be done in terms of the speed, in terms of the cost, but at least we have the internet. We need the, the hardware right now for people to be able to uh, make use of this, but we cannot, forget, we cannot forget power energy. Africans need that if, if we use the internet to exploit online opportunities in, in business and entrepreneurship. We need those. And because we are talking of entrepreneurship, I remember I've talked to some experts in technology, those who are designing app, are designing software, different type of software. 
uh, data collation and all of mm -hmm. it, it's beginning to make sense to a lot of Africans now. Yeah. And um, of course, one of the major things you did make mention of is, uh, is light energy. Mm. Maybe people need to be looking for how can how can we tap into energy? Because I was saying before, we are our color is like this because there is too much energy in Africa. So it doesn't make any sense that we should be lacking energy. It doesn't make any rational sense. So I think uh, I don't know. Are people looking for ways to really because okay now you know the thing is that because it's linked to mentality like we already discussed before. We think that the only solution we can have is the one that is already existing. So we must go there to tap it and bring it to us. But maybe there is another way to actually find a solution to this power uh, problem. I know that it's mm -hmm. very tedious. It is hard. It's a colossal project. You know? mm -hmm. that if we are talking of a national problem, like these are things that are supposed to be solved by the government. Because they are too difficult for individual to solve. Okay, if it, sure. of course, the government can actually lift the body off of them and put it mm -hmm. in the hand of those who want to make money. Yes. You can generate your energy and mm -hmm. you can have it. Of course, yes. you only pay tax to the government. If they do mm -hmm. this, they, this problem can be resolved. Actually, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. But the government mm -hmm. sometimes looking at maybe the Nigeria situation. They believe that they are going to solve the problem, but they don't really want to solve the problem. They are using this as a racket against the people to vote for them. But they don't solve the problem. They can't solve the problem because it is not insurmountable. It can be solved. It can be solved. Very simply, sure. actually. It sure. requires money. The federal mm -hmm. government of Nigeria have the money to pay to a company they can generate the electricity and then they distribute it. But do you know, funny enough, since 1999, that was when we returned to democracy, up until recently, Nigeria have never had up to 10 megawatts of electricity. We have something between, I think, 4,000 megawatts, so that we don't even have up to that in the country. Wow. A, a city like Lagos, I think, should be consuming up to like five, about 5,000 megawatts. Because you, these things are no rocket science. You need light bulb. You need the mm -hmm. street light. You need yes. the subway system. You need water. Yeah. You need everything. The, the machine of the country yeah. needs to be powered. Yeah. You cannot do yeah. it by just pretending. Mm -mm. Nigeria is a huge country. So you cannot power the Nigeria economy with uh, 5,000 megawatts of, of electricity. It doesn't happen. Mm. No. So they must give us the data, the number. How much megawatt of electricity do we really need in Nigeria? How can mm -hmm. we get it? If we have somebody mm -hmm. who understands what the people mm -hmm. need, they should be able to provide these figures. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I think that uh, there is a lot of politicking in Africa, unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, people in, bring politics into just everything. Unfortunately, sometimes too, I think that it is lack of a uh, real understanding of, of what we have and what we can do to transform things. I may not know about Nigeria very much, but I, I'll, I'll imagine, like someone who thinks a lot about these things, that Nigeria has a, a, a lot of oil and 
maybe the thought is that this this is, is supposed to be the, the best alternative. But you see, you just said something which is very amazing. Our skin color is like this because we have a lot of energy. Why do we need to, to dig, always think that we need to dig deep, we need to, to build dams, we need to do all of this to have energy when we can have very clean solar energy, which is very cost-effective? I see some cities in Cameroon already doing that. For example, uh, Boya is quite a small city. It is powered by solar energy. That All the streetlights are, are, are solar. So you can see that... People know what has to be done. But because there is politics in everything, some people just have their interest in, in, in certain stuff. You will, not, you will not understand. And then they decide that they do not want to exploit all the, the, the resources that we have. Because solar energy today is, is clean. That's clean energy. And, and it is very cost effective. It is available to us. Naturally, it is here. Why are our governments not making use of this? Why are the policies not pointing towards exploiting solar energy? What is the problem? It is just politics and people not remembering that they are there to serve, serve humanity, not themselves. That's, that's the problem we have in Africa. Really, it's, it's quite funny. It's quite funny. Because, you know, <laughs> it, I, I, I can't even explain it for why... In a continent like Africa, yeah. we should be in the dark. I can't explain it. Do you think there is even a possibility that maybe a private sector can actually go into this and produce energy that can maybe be transported? I don't know. I'm just thinking that in Africa, it doesn't make any rational reason why we should not have energy. Because, you know... A lot of companies in the West are looking for how they can tap into solar. And they don't even have that much. And mm -hmm. in Africa, it's burning every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. And we mm -hmm. probably are waiting for them. That maybe when they find a solution in the Caucasus Mountain, <laughs> where they don't have sunlight, they can maybe mm -hmm. come and help us. Are we supposed to be alive as human beings? See, um... I think that, like I said before, the change is happening, even though it is slow. Uh, here in Cameroon, there are a few, there are a handful of uh, solar energy companies. And, and just to say that even the multinationals present in Africa are beginning to see the, the, the essence of, of thinking solar. It's true mm. that I see some people who are already trying, but you know, eh? You know, we, we can hardly find the solutions by ourselves if the legislation does not support it. You are uh, right. Until recently in Cameroon, the legislation did not support that. But now, you know, the sector is, is a bit liberalized. And so we find some private uh, actors getting on the market and, and things are, are changing, but very slowly because of the general acceptance. And you can see... Um, there's an example that I like to always share in terms of solar energy. The, the local council in, in Boya, a, the small city where I, I lived for many years, has powered the streets with solar energy. Which means that this, <laughs> this is something that can yes, this is something that can be done. But why why is everyone not embracing this? Why? They, they, that has been done and um not to do any kind of, of advert for anyone. Total, I'm sure you know Total. 
that used to be just total. Today is total energies. Total energies because they are beginning to exploit solar energy as well, which means that things are changing. But like I said, government regulation has to be very clear on this, has to support individual initiatives because I am sure that if it is very relaxed, it is liberal as a sector, then many individuals will get in there and will see change that will happen. But unfortunately, in Africa, there's politics in everything. Even when you, you see change is coming, there will be some, some kind of lobbying, there will be some kind of politicking that will make it very difficult for individuals to just get into the sector and start exploiting. But in Cameroon, I don't know about Nigeria and Cameroon, the, the sector is beginning to get quite liberalized. And I, I think I know a few actors who are actually pushing the agenda of, of solar energy, even though it is very slow. I think that also it's because from the few people I've talked with, the, the, the idea is that in installing solar energy, the initial installation is quite, is quite uh, very important. It's, it's not very, very affordable for just any business person, any entrepreneur, any household. So this is where some work still has to be done. The legislation to really open things up and then private individuals can even come together as, as communities. People can come together as communities to say, okay, we want to build a solar plant for our community and people should start seeing the need for that. My problem with Africans is that we easily settle. We have known thermal for, for, for a while. We have settled. Africans like to settle. So we don't keep trying to explore. We don't, you don't see people really trying to explore because they have known this one. This is what they have known. It's going to take a lot of education, a lot of education to really... Even make communities see that, hey, you can come together, lobby, and get this thing done. They have it. They have the, what, what has been provided for 25 or 30 years. It's fine. They just go with that. We, we need this education to really push people to start thinking outside the box. But I think that it's something that, that can be done. It's something that we have to do. Maybe, sorry, maybe, maybe you, 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 should, you should push this agenda and have many more experts, solar energy experts on your show to talk to Africans about the possibility, about the, 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 the costs and, and everything that it takes to set. Maybe this kind of education we need right now so that we begin to push people to, to think outside the box. Surely, surely. I'll certainly give that a consideration because Thank it's you. for my interest, for the interest of African people that yes. we can have light. Even, yes. even in the Bible, it was said, let there be light. Because without sure. light, what can you do? <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing yeah, at Bob, all. Mm -hmm. what, a, what a terrible situation we have. <laughs> all right. Now, let's talk a little bit about your university. Tell us yes. something about it. What do you want people to know about it? That is important. Thank you. Thank you very much for this question. It's, uh, it's something that, that is really very close to my heart and... and um, I think that what we are doing is, is important for humanity. What I want everyone to know about Fatabe University of Cameroon is that first and foremost, we are a community university, a community university in the sense that we want every African to be able to have a good education irrespective of their economic background. This, this is very important to us. So we make sure that the education that we are providing is accessible to everyone. 
to everyone. It, it, people who have the financial means, yes, people who do not have the financial means. We have a lot of programs that we have designed for people who do not have the financial needs. This is what I want everyone to remember about uh, Futabe University of Cameroon. We are a community university. Our focus is on entrepreneurship and technology. So we have all our, our major programs are business entrepreneurship related, but we also have technology, especially computer engineering. Because see all the things that we have been talking today about online business, uh, the driving um, the, the agenda for, for youth entrepreneurship, especially making sure of the internet, will only be possible if we, we train our own uh, software engineers, our own computer engineers to be able to think business and develop solutions that can support startups. So we have a, a very important program in, in computer engineering, which we, we combine with um, entrepreneurship because everyone at Fortabe University studies a course on entrepreneurship. And then um, we, we, we want everyone on the continent to be able to have access. That is why we are very active online. So we have a very robust e-learning platform. People from all over the world can study at Fortabe University. You do not need to travel to Cameroon. So we, presently, we have students across Africa. We have students in the Middle East. We have students in, in Canada and the US. We have students in Europe. So we have students across the world because we believe that Africans everywhere should be able to have access to the kind of education that we are providing. So in as much as we have students everywhere, we also have Africans, most of our lecturers are Africans, who are scattered across the world, but who teach on our programs. So we, we are a community university, we are an entrepreneurial university, and we are a technology-savvy university. These are things that I want people to know. And um, our programs start from TVET, like I said before, we have vocational training programs, and then we have uh, the higher education program, especially the higher national diploma, which is a, a state-managed um, qualification in Cameroon. It's a two-year program, and we run programs in business, business, human resource management, accountancy, banking and finance, logistics and transport, project management, all of the business fields. And then we have partner universities, state universities here in Cameroon, we have our partner university in, in Italy, of course, where, where I study, the Rome Business School. We have our partner business school in, in Russia, also the Imas Business School. But also in, in um, Asia, in India, we have our partner, the Indian Institute of Logistics. And in the Middle East, we have the Good Ocean Maritime Institute of Logistics. And then we have other partners uh, around the world. In Germany, we have... Uh, hiring organizations. We have hiring organizations also in Turkey, in Norway, and we are we are every day working hard to forge these partnerships, especially because we want our students to be able to acquire the skills that will help them today to be worldly citizens in in the sense that they can bring back what they learn from um, around the world to solve the problems that we have. Uh, in Africa. So we have these partnerships every day. We think that this, what you know, being in Italy is, is very interesting. What I learned from traveling around the world has shaped my mindset 
has made me to see the, the, the opportunities that we have in Africa. This is what we want our students to have. So we have these international programs. We have international uh, internships, exchange programs to actually help our students and our teachers also see what is happening out there. They can learn valuable lessons that they can bring home to develop solutions that they can, uh, can use to solve our problems. So basically, uh, that is uh, for Tabe University of Cameroon. You can find us online on um, uh, www.funic. Funic is um, the abbreviation for Fortabe University of Cameroon, funic.co. And all other things that we do, you can find linked to our website. Uh, how can people join uh, as students? What are the process to join as students? Well, since we have programs from vocational training right up to the doctorate level, um, I should say basically you do not even need any academic qualification to be a part of the Fortabe University. That is to say, even if you've never gone to school, you can join Fortabe University, our vocational training uh, sections to, to study something which is skill-based, fashion design, uh, dressmaking, hairdressing, beauty and skincare. We have that, which is the vocational training arm of Fortabe University. So even if you've never gone to school, there's something that you can do with us. We have an agricultural entrepreneurship program. Even if you have not gone to to school, you can learn how to transform uh, agricultural produce to finish products that you can sell, add value to them and sell. So everyone has a place. Um, then for our mainstream university programs, of course, after in Cameroon, after the, the advanced level, uh, everywhere else on the continent, after senior high school, you can gain direct entry into the Fortabe University of Cameroon. For our uh, postgraduate studies, of course, if it's a master's program, any university degree, you can find a place, you can study something. And our doctorate program that I just mentioned, it is issued by the IMAS Business School in Russia. After uh, your MBA master's from anywhere in the world, you can have uh, direct admissions. You just need to send us an email via info at phonic.co and someone will talk to you and give you all the information that you need to start your, your studies with us. Uh, now, what about um, the delivering of the course material? How do you, how do, you do that? Since, uh, okay, you are physically in Cameroon, but you have students coming from different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yes, that's very interesting. Uh, so we have um, online, we have actually three study modes. We have the online, we have the on-campus, and we have the blended. So uh, uh, the online, we have a robust... Um, e-learning platform where uh, students can study real time. So we, we make use of, of a, a dual kind of technology. Our own platform where people can have access to, to, to video lectures, people can have access to a library with thousands of books, people can have access to research material, and then we also have the live online lectures. So we use platforms like the one we're using now to conduct live online lectures with, with students from across uh, the world. So we, we prioritize live online lectures because we want to give our students the, the real experience of being in a classroom and exchanging with lecturers in real time, exchanging with their peers in real time. But we know that uh, time zones differ, schedules differ. So we've, we've made provision for this 
uh, online learning environment where students can learn at their pace. They can find, have video lectures for all our programs, learn at their pace, take exams by themselves and, and meet up with, with what their peers are doing. And then we have the on-campus, of course, in Cameroon, where students can come on our campus now in Douala to study all the programs. And then we also have the blended. So we have students who would study partly online and partly on campus so that they do not also miss the, the, the human touch. Some, some people still want it. So we have uh, programs, sometimes we call them exchange visits. We have program students coming from all over to converge on Douala so that they can meet their peers that probably they've been exchanging with just online like you and I are doing right now. And so this, this gives them that, that kind of uh, physical connection that people still need. So wherever you are in the world, you can be a part of the Phonic family. You have live online lectures like we're doing right now. You can ask your questions, we can exchange. You can share your experiences with students from across the world. Um, you can also fall back to our virtual learning environment if you happen to miss lectures or, or because your schedule does not permit for live discussions. You will have the same quality of lectures, books, research material, everything on our virtual learning environment. Now, if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, share with them. Well, personally, I'm on all social media platforms, all with my name, Fotabe Elmin. So on, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, you would find me as Fotabe Elmin. Uh, on, on Google, of course, you can Google and, and find more information about me. Um, Skype, this is Elmin Fotabe. And uh, anytime someone wants to reach out to me on any of these platforms, you just drop a message and, and, and I'll respond and we'll connect. My job is really about connecting with people. So you should have no worries reaching out to me. It may take a while because, because of the volume that I receive, but I'll definitely connect because this is what I do best. All oh, right, super. You are a connector also. <laughs> you, wear, you wear many hats. And that is really very interesting. All right, Thank so yeah, today we talked about a lot of interesting things, mm -hmm. particularly about business and business online, business management, mm -hmm. and all the mm -hmm. good things about business. But yeah. Of course, we also had the time to touch a little bit about our Africa in a larger sense sure. of it. That's <laughs> sure. good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so what would be your final thought here to conclude the conversation? Um, this is the time for Africa. And Africans must rise to the opportunities that are available. Entrepreneurship is just what we need. And today, the best way to start your journey as an entrepreneur is to make use of the Internet. Make use of the Internet. Online, you can reach people from across the world and do your business. But remember... To start off as an entrepreneur, you must learn if you aspire to earn. There are opportunities. We are here to uh, share our, our opportunities that we have with you, share our experiences, take advantage of what you have right now. Make use of the internet, of the technology that you have. There is a time to play, but if we want to solve the problems that we, we see around us every day, we need to learn then we can earn. 
this is the time for Africa and we need to take the challenge and make Africa the continent that it used to be. Thank you so much, sister. I appreciate you. Okay. That is for Thank Tabe you. Elmina. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. I appreciate much. it. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A14. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.